Hello, everyone, and welcome to Wildstorm Addiction, episode 44 for March 2013. I'm Joe David Solis. And I'm Ben Murphy. And uh, this month we'll be discussing uh, Stormwatch number 17, Ravagers number 9, and Team 7 number 5, as well as some other Wildstorm appearances in the DCU New 52. And we do want to let you know that we do spoil these issues, but you should have read them already. And uh, before we continue, we do want to let you know we have a special guest with us tonight. Um, we've had him on before, but we've decided to bring him back on here. Uh, we got Chris Stryker with us tonight. How's it going, Chris? Good evening, guys. How are you doing? Awesome. Good. Well, <laughs> wish we could say we were doing a little bit better, as you'll see here in the news. But, <laughs> yeah. but um, we decided to bring Chris on because uh, this will hopefully be first of, of many uh, what we dubbed uh, Friends of Wildstorm episodes where we'll bring on either lifelong or recently converted fans of the Wildstorm universe. Um, and, you know, they can hash out the recent news issues and give us their reviews right alongside uh, Ben and I as we do that. So um, we figured there was no better way to start uh, than by getting, you know, original Wildstorm fan himself, Chris Stryker, who's the founder of the Authority. WS and also Stormwatch.ws and is, you know, uh, head of the the Numero Uno Hangout for Wildstorm fans, which is uh, Clark's Bar's Comics Forum. So, so we, you know, we've had you on a couple of times before, Chris. You know, we we had you on, you know, when Wildstorm ended. We had you on when when it came back. So, <laughs> We're, this this episode will kind of be a little bit of both. <laughs> oh, I know the the news is just, you know, <laughs> was surprising uh, to you know to see the the certain titles, uh, you know, going away. Yeah, but so. it's always good to come back. Yeah, well, it's always fun to talk Wildstorm with you. But, but yeah, um, speaking of the news, um, first thing I wanted to bring to everybody's attention is that uh, the original Stormwatch number one launched 20 years ago in 1993. So happy anniversary to our favorite protectors of the planet. So how <laughs> old do you guys feel now? <laughs> I feel so old. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was in the junior high. <laughs> high school when it came out yeah i was a freshman <laughs> i was 12 <laughs> well wow. anyway but yeah little did we know what would happen 20 years later <laughs> very true that Stormwatch would be hanging by by its fingernails trying to stay on as a title yeah. but uh speaking of Stormwatch, we have lots of good Stormwatch news uh but um, first up is uh, Jim Starlin re- revealed his gatefold cover for April's Stormwatch number 19. And it's uh, it lived up to its uh, W2EF certified status, which is what all the covers for April are marked with. There's an alternate version of Apollo and Midnighter uh, whether uh, on the cover, but whether or not these are the actual Wildstorm versions remains to be seen. But their costumes are definitely a dead ringer, so um, we'll have to wait and see what he's doing there. seems like he's introducing... A new team all around, uh, and in the middle of all this, we get the new Fifty Two debut of another Wildstorm character, which is Hellstrike. So that was pretty exciting to see. You know, talk about an original member of Stormwatch <laughs> from way back <laughs> twenty years ago. <laughs> but um, now this part, I'm still kind of uh, from some of the interviews I've read. 
the cover makes it look like it's a male engineer, but uh, Jim Starlin never mentioned that it's a different engineer. He said that the rest of the characters are who you know. So that kind of threw me for a loop as to that if that's supposed to be Angie or not. I guess we'll have to wait and see. And uh, there is a new Sentry baby called Jenny Soul, who I guess is going to replace Jenny Quantum. So that kind of sucked, but I guess did we really think they'd keep Jenny Quantum for the next 100 years? Or or what is that, 88 years? <laughs> Whatever it would be. <laughs> Always got to throw something new in there. And uh, the three other new characters on the cover are, cover are as identified as Storm Control, the Forecaster, and Starlin's own creation called the Weird, which apparently is like a reimagining of a character he created for DC back in the day. And uh, if that's not enough Stormwatch for you, uh, All-Star Western number 20 has another Stormwatch backup. And I say another because uh, as of this recording, we still have not seen the first one in All-Star Western number 17, which comes on sale on February the 27th, uh, to see the first Stormwatch backup, which uh, looks like a very uh, steampunkish Stormwatch <laughs> from what I saw. Now, this last bit <laughs> i'll see if i can get through without uh without ben having an aneurysm <laughs> but <laughs> after all this other good news we're going to turn around and continue <laughs> god i'm sorry but ben's notes for this episode are hilarious <laughs> continue the crotch kicking that has become the norm as a regular wildstorm fan you couldn't have said it better ben <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like uh, if you've ever seen South Park where they say, you know, we're going to play Rochambeau, I'll go first. <laughs> DC always gets to go first in our case. Yep. But like like Chris mentioned earlier, not one but two titles are being canceled with Team 7 and Ravagers uh, ending in May. I guess I jinxed us when I mentioned a while back that we were going to end up being the Stormwatch podcast someday because <laughs> now that's happened. Um, but... The Team Summit number 8 solicit did release kind of a spoiler. Um, it mentions that Majestic is one of the characters that parts ways with the others in the issue. Deathstroke is also being canceled, but issues 18, 19, and 20 will feature the Ravagers. DC Comics Editor-in-Chief Bob Harris had some interesting stuff to say that, you know, we're always looking for hope, so here we go. He said, we, we have plans, we have Beast Boy in there, we have Terra. You're going to see them in other titles in upcoming months. Caitlin Fairchild, you're going to learn things about her. So again, not like a broken record, but these characters will be ongoing. We have interesting things planned for them, and I think some of them will be very surprising. So some people on the boards are speculating that we might get Gen 13 if he's so keen on mentioning Fairchild, but I'm not going to hold my breath. So, <laughs> And the last bit of news is for some of you who frequent our Wildstorm Resource Wiki have probably figured out by now that it's dead. <laughs> Uh, it was shut down on us with no warning, and uh, the creator of the wiki, James, has tried to contact WebPaint with no luck. Uh, there could be a variety of reasons why they shut us down. We could have been using too much space under their free service. Uh, WebPaint also just got bought out and seems to have been rebranded as a TV-only wiki. So whatever the reason, the chances of us recovering the wiki are slim to none at this point. So uh, Ben uh, actually found some archived pages of the wiki that we can try to restore so uh you want to kind of explain that ben because i wasn't clear on that it's painful <laughs> <laughs> to explain it or to do it <laughs> probably both, both. <laughs> okay well let me just 
I'll do my best. And basically, it's like taking a picture of the wiki and with active links. And so we can recover stuff as far back as July 2012, which is actually not bad in my opinion because that means we only really lost uh, the majority of the the New 52 stuff, which can be easily recovered. So we kind of have some plans for that. We're not sure exactly how we're going to go about it, but we're going to need some help. So please, you guys, be listening to the podcast or check out Clark's Bar, our Wildstorm Resource Wiki thread, to uh, see what you can do to help, because we put a lot of work into that, and we'd hate to see it die. So Anyway, but let's go ahead and move on to the reviews. Um, We're going to let Chris take us into the first review and uh, just give you kind of a quick summary of that, and then we'll take advantage we'll do roundtable discussion after that so why don't you take us away chris all right we're going to be uh, reviewing uh or talking about stormwatch 17 which was released on february 6th written by peter milligan and uh drawn by will conrad this issue we find basically the team split with uh harry tanner uh revealed as the uh i guess you want to see big bad uh, and engineer is finally uh, kind of gives into the uh, I think it was the evolver device. Yeah, the devolver. Is it okay? And uh, erases all her, uh, basically, kind of ejects her humanity, and uh, by and it's apparent when she basically vaporizes whole island full of people. Now, it's rich people or well-off people, I guess, to make it better, you know, in the eyes of Tanner, but, <laughs> uh, but it's still, she's talking about genocide of the human race, and that doesn't sit well with him. Uh, during this, uh, the exchange, uh, we find uh, Apollo and Midnighter uh, enlisting the help of Zelot, or Zelot, uh, I think who was last seen in Deathstroke. Is that yeah, right? That's his booty call. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then uh, we have Hawksmore and the projectionist in the middle of Brazil. And you know the one thing though, we were uh, I was going back and reading the uh, solicit for this. It everything that's in the solicit was you know didn't happen in this issue. Oh, you noticed that too, huh? <laughs> yeah, and then the and then the cover also. Uh, is you know it has the uh, on the cover has uh, the eye of the storm blowing up and again didn't happen so I was like did they get the cover wrong for this issue? Uh, <laughs> I think it was just a shock at all cover. <laughs> maybe, but if you also look at uh, when we get down to uh, Team Seven, it kind of uh, also misleading uh, cover with uh, Spartan on the on the cover. Mm-hmm. And he really kind of, you don't really see him much, but we'll get to that, I guess, soon enough. So what did you think of these uh, the issue? Um, I thought it was a huge improvement over the last one, because I know Ben and I talked about that we really were disappointed with the whole revelation of Harry Tanner and everything. It just seemed like it was done so quick, and I know. You know it had been building up for forever, you know, and... And now that we learn that uh, the next issue is going to be Milligan's last, you know, maybe that could be the justification why it got, um, you know, resolved so quickly. I don't know, but and maybe on top of that, the whole change of the the cover, you know, 
because obviously we knew that he was going to be setting up that Angie was a bad guy for a while, you know, because we saw when the hidden people, you know, purposely put the devolver in her and all that. So that was all set up that was kind of running concurrently with uh, Harry Tanner's story. But but then it just seemed like everything just happened way too quickly. So so now it just seems like Milligan's just trying to hurry up and tell the story he wanted to tell. And as much as I loved Zealot in here, I would have to figure that DC was like, oh, yeah, you know, we need you to just use her. <laughs> just throw her in there. Yeah, and I think you're right that uh, with uh, Starling coming on in, in, you know, after the next issue, he kind of had to, you know, tie up all the loose ends pretty quickly. You know, getting uh, wrapping up the Harry Tanner storyline, the Devolver with Angie storyline, and trying to, you know, uh, have it all come together in kind of a, in a quick fashion. Yeah, because even, you know, uh, the end here um, where, you know, the engineer calls upon the, the help of the OMAC to come after Stormwatch, it's like, really? <laughs> where, where in the world that has come out of, you know, left field? But Way it's, out it's, left field. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just one of those that it, it, you can kind of see the everything we've been hearing and discussing about uh, editorial decisions and things like that it's just it's just these weird choices you know i understand that dc wants to keep their characters active that have been canceled but to just throw omac in there and for probably one issue you know because he's not he's definitely not going to be in starlin's run so right he's going to show up and i'm sure going to deal with him and it'll be done so it's it's just going to be weird, I think. <laughs> well, you know, the one thing I'm hoping Starlin does is the one, probably one of my gripe, and I think most everybody's gripe is that they, the way they've handled Jack, if Jack is even in a new incarnation under Starlin, but the way they have him just like explain what he's doing, that just, you know, really, <laughs> I think yeah. it's just terrible. <laughs> You know, yeah, between him uh, and Apollo, you know, calling out his attacks. So. Oh, I know. <laughs> anyway, you got anything to say, Ben? <laughs> it's a shame, really. Um, there was such a build up for Harry Tanner since the series began, really. I mean, he was one of the coolest new characters, you know, from Wildstorm fans' perspective um, that we were introduced to. And we quickly learned that, oh, this is a bad guy. And then we realized, oh, this is the main bad guy. And then there was such a great build-up, and the payoff was coming, it was coming, we could all see it, and then, yeah, we just had to railroad it through and, and get it done with. And it kind of sucks. I, I'm, I'm kind of bummed out about that, because it could have been so much better. Yeah, I, I can see that maybe Milligan probably had this plan well into the issues, you know, in the 20s. Maybe, maybe even had something planned for Wild, I mean, for Stormwatch's... Uh, anniversary issue coming up here in september 24 or 25 you know what i mean, mm-hmm. I mean which is impressive because all the other titles you know weren't able to do something like that you know the arcs were very short or you know the creators were constantly changing but this was one of the one titles where it just kept going and it was impressive and you wanted to see that payoff there was so much interwoven back and forth and but the interesting thing, too, is that, you know, we talked about how, you know, they argued that Grifter was such an important character they wanted to push, and they just dropped the ball on that. Well, it seems like they went through a lot of work to save Stormwatch. 
you know, because we talked about how we thought that Jim Starlin coming on is kind of like the Hail Mary play. You know, it's it's either this is going to work or so much is going away, yeah. you know. And um, and I just wish they had put that much effort into trying to save some of the other titles, you know. Well, you and could they, say that they did the same thing for Grifter, but none of <laughs> really us would have like, agreed. It really let Rob Lee feels the savior? No. <laughs> well, they I injected, just mean they in injected their, morphine into the patients, what they did. <laughs> I just mean in their eyes at the time, for some reason, that's what they thought, I'm assuming. But any yeah. of the fans wouldn't have agreed with that. No, no, not at all. Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, overall, definitely a better issue. Uh, you know, the whole thing with Angie and Harry kind of changing his his uh, tone, you know, demeanor when he realized what she was going to do, that was interesting. So, to me, Harry's still an interesting character. I would love to know more about him and, and stuff, but it just, it just seems like he's going to go by the wayside. Uh, maybe he'll get killed by Omac next time. We don't know. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, you guys have anything else or Ben, if not, you want to take us into the next one? Well, I hope they keep Harry around. I mean, he's a good character. He's, um, I guess the best way for, for the old wild show fans, he's kind of a, a mix between, uh, Henry Bendix and Tao. Mm-hmm. You know, he, you know, he's, uh, like, Tao is he'd just like be able to mold people into doing whatever he says. And, uh, he has that kind of that planning that, uh, Bendix always had that, you know, you know, I want the the world to be, uh, safe, but only under my you know, kind of rule or my watchful eye, you know? Yeah. Except he would actually fight. <laughs> Neither of those two characters would. Yeah. They're too smart for that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll go into Ravagers, which is issue number nine, released on February 13th, written by Michael Allen Nelson, with art by Iguara and cover by Ken Lashley. Interesting cover, which I just put up in the notes if you guys saw it. Um, this cover basically mimics the old Gen 13, the Unreal World uh issue if you guys know what that is it's from uh july 1996 so yeah i remember that one pretty much the same thing except you know the gen 13 crew is replaced by a bunch of skeletons (laughs) 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 and and the cover says fairchild stands alone but it really doesn't mean anything at least i didn't get anything out of that yeah this is the month for covers that doesn't mean anything (laughs) (laughs) well We'll see what next month has in store for us with the WTF covers. Yeah. Um, this actually, issue actually kind of surprised me at first because, you know, Joe and I talked last month about what, you know, how refreshing the last issue was, how different it was, and and that it focused in on um, Warblade and, and Rose Wilson. And I thought that they were going to just start a new arc after this. Well, now that we know that it's been canceled, um, they actually went right back to that same scene. Now, we did see the Ravagers show up at the end of that that issue, but I didn't think it was going to continue in that town. But that's where we are. We're still in um, Hartsville, Colorado, and uh, they're actually in the jail right now. So, you know, last issue, all there was a... One of the youth that uh, Rose and um, 
Warblade were trying to track down for Harvest, and you know he kind of went supernova, and then his power kind of started jumping around throughout the town, and everybody started started going supernova one after the other, and uh, the sheriff and his family were involved, and Rose Wilson and Warblade were kind of the good guys at the time because they're trying to handle the situation and and stop it uh, from spreading out, and even Rose herself got sick, so. Now we're caught back up and the Ravagers are on the scene and Caitlin has Rose by the scruff and she's about to pound her out. <laughs> and uh, we discussed last last time that Rose Wilson seemed to be written a little softer than we're used to her, you know, her demeanor being, but her her being affected by whatever's going on here may be the cause of that. But anyways. Yeah, I don't know about that, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, she's she's being a sissy. <laughs> she's so distraught about her uh, relationship with Caitlin and how it fell apart. But anyways, um we go over to the uh the sheriff who's trying to get things back in order and this is funny cuz I know on the boards we were talking about how we didn't we didn't title this issue and I was going to say, "Oh, hey Chris, it's a new sheriff's in town." Cause <laughs> that would have been nice. He's this is the the best podunk guy in the world that that knows exactly what's going on with superheroes around that have all kinds of crazy powers, but hey, good for him. <laughs> his kids' lives are on the line, so you know you never know what you're gonna get out of somebody. But yeah, the Ravagers are a little confused at first because the sheriff steps up and is like, "Hey, you know, we're trying to get things under control. We have a plan. Don't mess with the the mo here." And uh, this is the first time where the Ravagers are like, "Hey, are we the bad guys?" And I think they actually point that out. Uh, Beast Boy actually points that out. And, you know, they're a little thrown off by by what they stepped into all of a sudden. I don't know. I don't want to go too into depth here. Yeah. But, uh, anyways, the guy that was in the jail that went supernova actually is able to... Con- well, he didn't go supernova yet, but he was about to. Is actually able to control it a little bit better than all the other people were since they all went scorched earth on, on them. Um he was able to escape from the jail and cause some serious damage and knock Warblade around for a while before uh, getting crispy himself. <laughs> the Ravagers are completely thrown off, and, and Ridge and Terra and Thunder go out to save the sheriff's daughter, um, who took off and is also uh, starting to feel the effects of, of this and as they're out trying, and Beast Boy's with them as well, as they're out trying to get to the daughter, um, Thunder himself is starting to have issues as well. The guy in the jail finally blows up himself. He's left a crispy critter. And the sheriff is able to reunite with his son. And this is when Ridge and Warblade start to kind of hash it out. And as they're about to go after it, um, the daughter of the sheriff is brought back and everybody's where they need to be now. And she starts going supernova a little bit. And basically Warblade, uh, was able to 
I, I guess figure out what was, you know, when the guy in the jail went supernova, he was able to figure out how to, uh, I guess, stop the spread from happening. He, he uses crazy pseudoscience, which he can, <laughs> which he can slash energy with his claws. That's what I understood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for getting more specific. <laughs> was I really? <laughs> no. I was trying to keep it pretty. Gotta pretty love that broad. pseudoscience. But in order to do this, half of the townspeople have to sacrifice themselves, uh, which you know. They have to get in a circle and hold hands, just remember. <laughs> brings brings a lot of pleasure to Warblade. So yes, exactly what Joe said. They get in a circle and hold hands. and of, Kumbaya. Of course, the sheriff is the one to uh, sacrifice himself, and and he's ready to go. And uh, yes, they sing Kumbaya, and it works, apparently, because Warblade tells us that it worked. Ah, it worked. <laughs> So and there's a big there's a big wahoosh sound effect when it works. <laughs> when so the whole thing goes nova. <laughs> right. Uh so surprisingly, uh, you know, Warblade's the big hero of the day and um you know, he saves the town and the Ravagers are kinda surprised by what happened and that they were able to, you know, team up together. And then uh we go back to Warblade and Rose Wilson and they have a little discussion about how you know, they really can't tell Harvest about what happened there and that, um, you know, they're not bringing anybody back, especially the person that they were going after. And as you can see in the last panel here, that Harvest was able to eavesdrop on everything that they've been doing uh, out in the field. So this is pretty much our setup as the uh, downward spiral happens with the Ravagers and they'll start continuing to cross over into Deathstroke and all that good stuff, just like we had with Legion Lost over the last couple months. My only hope is that the Deathstroke stories are much more relevant than the Legion Lost stories were. <laughs> yes, that was a waste of time. <laughs> yes. So, hey, Ben, so I don't know if you realize, but but uh, Chris doesn't read Ravagers. Right, Chris? Am I right? You're right. Okay. So what I told Chris was, is, is instead of really discussing the, the issue itself, I thought it'd be interesting because, you know, Chris is one of the top Wildstorm fans there is. <laughs> so my personal pull for Ravagers was that Caitlin Fairchild's in it. If she wasn't in it, I would never have checked out this title. So, Chris, I want you to share, like, why was that not even enough for you to, to follow the title? Like, what kept you away from the title? I don't know. I... uh I you know I read the first issue and I it just didn't kind of grab me and uh and you know with all these new titles coming out from uh, DC it just didn't quite make the cut budgetary wise mm -hmm. and so of course now over the last uh, eighteen months most of everything I was picking up from Fifty Two has been cut except for you know uh, the Wildstorm stuff and you know that's about it. You know, uh, it just didn't grab me at first, and I just never really went back to pick up the back issues. Well, I think we, me and Ben, have talked about this, that Ravagers, to me, was always like an experiment, it seemed like, for DC, because it's it's one of the few titles that came out, or maybe it's the only title, I, mean, I could be wrong, uh, that has never had a previous incarnation uh, even some of the other launches, I think even like the Sword of Sorcery, it, you know, it had its 
its own version of it way back when, but but I, I think I think I'm correct in saying that 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 it's the that Ravage is the only one that never had a, a previous incarnation. So I don't think people really knew what to make of it. And I think DC would maybe have been riding on too much the fact that it had half of the Teen Titans in it and not all of them. So maybe they were trying to rely on that because obviously the Teen Titans book's still doing well. So I don't know. What do you think about that, Ben? Well, yeah, I think it was meant to tie hand in hand with the Teen Titans. And, you know, the first, wow, what, five or six issues was all about leaving or escaping from Harvest and, and the ramifications of that and, you know, what, you know, how these teens gained their powers and, and you know, that they were, you know, considered basically bad um, from the get-go and dealing with that, especially since, you know, you know they're young and their hormones are kind of raging and everything like that. But honestly, this title alone, I thought it started really, really slow because it, you know, how it kicked off uh, with the Culling series. I thought that there was just so much reiteration on the first couple issues. But these last three issues, I thought, were really the base of this title. And I really enjoyed the last three issues. And it's kind of a shame that now we're only going to get three more and it's just going to wrap up from there. Kind of ticked about that. Because <laughs> now, it, in my mind, it it's now going. And it, the same thing happened to Voodoo, too. I thought that... You know, the last arc for video was fun and enjoyable, and it really started to have some legs, and then it just got chopped out, chopped <laughs> from underneath them again. So, I don't know. The only one I could say that had, wasn't that case was Grifter, because that was just a train wreck from the beginning to end. So. <laughs> yeah, because uh, with Ravagers, it's, it's, it's a little bit harder for me to defend, because for it to go 12 issues before they decide to cancel and yes I realize this is only nine but you know they would have had plenty of discussions before then I can deal with a, a series being ended at 12 issues if it's if it never really caught on you know what I mean now our next title on the other hand <laughs> did not have that same opportunity <laughs> and of course I'm talking about uh, team seven number five which was released on uh, February 13th written by Justin Jordan with art by Jesus Marino and also Pascal Alexi. And, and uh, the cover is actually by Gary Frank, who I wish <laughs> was drawing the issue. <laughs> I mean, no offense to the other two guys, but if you know Gary Frank, his work is amazing. So, um, But yeah, Team 7, number 5, is uh, the first issue where we start uh, having half of a present-day story and half of it still told in the past. And I know a lot of people went online and, and talked about how they loved this issue and they really wish that Justin Jordan had started with this issue <laughs> because um, it just it, it starts off with just a really cool, almost like a movie vibe. You know, you got the... Uh, I, I guess Lynch has access to all these cool, just like spaceships and high-tech water vehicles. I mean, he's like, he, he's like you know, General Hawk from G.I. Joe, I guess. You know, <laughs> it's just like whatever... Whatever toy he wants to play with, the government will let him take it out for the day. So, so you know, the, the modern-day uh, Deathstroke is is out for Lynch, and there's a pretty cool action sequence of him infiltrating this, uh, you know, high-tech uh, boat out in the middle of the ocean. And, and he confronts Lynch, and, and apparently uh, 
the subject matter for them is Caitlin Fairchild because as soon as Lynch mentions her, we go to a flashback and uh, it says five years ago, which is you know the same time period that that we started in with Team Seven. And Caitlin uh, is here working on um, the introduction of another Wildstorm character for us, which is Lady Tron. And um, some people mentioned here that uh, that she's not crazy uh, in this interpretation, but when you kind of see how how they're going with with this, you'll you'll understand that apparently she's supposed to be starting off normal here as just a person who, um, from what I gathered, you know, she's already was missing an arm, and they've already given her a. a you know, mechanical arm, and that apparently her legs are next to be worked on. But um, but the reference to her name here, you know, because they just refer to her her real name, which is Maxine, uh, is mentioned as a a pop group, a British pop group called Lady Tron. So I thought that was a nice nod to where her name could come from eventually. And we just get a whole bunch of cameos in here. Uh, if you're if you're familiar with just DC lore in general. We also get uh, Hank Henshaw in here, which is, as far as I understand, it's his new 52 debut. Uh, I don't think he came out in the Action Comics debut where Steel came out, but this is supposed to be the the precursor to all that. But uh, he he definitely has a totally different look here, and uh, and they do mention a Doctor Stone, and I know a lot of people thought that it might be Jeremy Stone, which was Maul from the Wildcats, but I think they're referring to. Uh, it's not Victor Stone, that's Cyborg's dad. But, I mean, uh, I can't remember his dad's name, but it's, Dr. it's Cyborg's dad, basically, who was in charge of all this. Um, so that's who I'm thinking it is. But as we continue on with the cameos, we, we see that the, the main place where they've gotten all this technology from that they're, uh, that they're using is from uh, a robot that they found, which we know as Spartan. And that's what they're referring to him here is the Spartan Project. And the way they refer to him, it makes it sound like they found him. And they mentioned that he was, you know, buried in the dark for years and that that apparently hurt him. And they've been trying to restore him and whatnot. So, so you know, that, of course, for us Wallstorm fans, dreams up visions of, okay, well, maybe he still was part of the Caribbean that crashed on Earth, you know, millennia ago. You know, so how, how far Justin Jordan's going to get into that? You know, now that we know the series is ending, remains to be seen. But you know, after that, we get a nice little exchange uh, between Alex Fairchild and Deathstroke, and I thought the uh, the nice little uh, clue that Alex drops here is that uh, he's telling Deathstroke to figure out what he wants to do. You know, basically, what is he doing all this for? What's his goal? What's his motivation? And he he meant Alex Fairchild. He says, you know, for me, I got the girls. And he says, girls, plural. Obviously, we know Caitlin is one of his girls. And in the old Wildstorm universe, Freefall was his other daughter, but it was his stepdaughter. So it uh, remains to be seen if that's who he's referring to. Heck, it could be Rose Wilson at this point. Maybe that's the big <laughs> revelation. <laughs> that's what I joked about you guys on the board. I don't know if you caught that. I was like, they're going to reveal that Alex and Deathstroke you know, had a, a kid together. So, <laughs> just, about, just spoiler alert. Sorry. But, uh, <laughs> and that Rose and you know, Fairchild are, are sisters. What, would they be half-sisters because of that? You know, Different father? I don't know how that works anyway. Well, and they were sharing a beer here in the gym. You know, one thing led to another. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Then we, you know, go here to a little, little exchange between Black Canary and um, 
and Lynch, and she's basically questioning, you know, what he's doing and all this clandestine, clandestine stuff that she doesn't like, and so on and so forth. And we have another reference here that um, that I thought was interesting. He he basically shows her a uh, kind of a, a horrific little scene here, uh, which we'll see that this is not the only horror-based scene in this issue, but uh, apparently somewhere in um, where was it? Uh, Korea? Uh, I can't even pronounce the name. But um, but that uh, a three-year-old... There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, a three-year-old apparently... What did, how did he describe it? Oh, she changed the geometry of space and time. <laughs> and basically melded the kids with their desks and, you know, file cabinets and stuff around the room. So it's just this weird mesh of the the kids and, and the furniture all in this containment unit here in Team 7 headquarters. And I, I, when he said that, that, you know, what she did, I automatically thought it could be Jenny Quantum. Uh, did you guys pick up on that? The first thing I thought of. Yeah. Or yeah, even Jenny, or Jenny Fractal, too. Jenny Fractal? Yeah, her... Did I miss uh, that? No, no, you know her twin sister from the old Wildstorm universe? Oh, okay, I was like... <laughs> I was like, when did they introduce her? We missed that. <laughs> no, 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 I just thought... I just thought it was like maybe... When I thought Jenny Quantum, and then I was like, ooh, Jenny Fractal, you know. Uh, you know, because, you know, in the old universe, they, uh, they hid the twin sister... Or she got lost when uh, the hospital blew up. So I was like, so I was like, well, maybe they want to introduce her into the the new uh, Fifty Two universe. But I don't think the uh, the ages match up, though. Mm. Yeah, I get. I mean, because because do we have to assume that the new Fifty Two started in two thousand eleven? Because if it did, then five years before is oh six, and then so she would have been three in two thousand three. So I don't, I don't know. It's close, yeah. but. Uh, I just thought it was interesting, and uh, then we go to Fairchild, who stumbles upon the the fact that Spartan apparently is starting to activate, and his, whatever energies are leaking from his body are causing any flesh and mechanical things to merge together. And she hears uh, uh, Maxine calling for her help, and it's here that we see that Maxine's body has basically just about become almost entirely mechanical, and she has to look. Uh, that she did in the old Wallstorm universe, and it's just this again another horrific scene of all these uh, bodies that are half metal and half uh, human. So, and then we leave that scene to go back to the present, and Lynch or Deathstroke, uh, or Lynch tells Deathstroke that Caitlin Fairchild apparently is dead, which of course we know is not true. So we kind of discuss on the boards: is Lynch lying, or does he really? think that she's dead, you know. And so Deathstroke tries to shoot him, and Lynch uses his his uh, mojo <laughs> to stop the bullets and shows, and then pulls a Darth Vader <laughs> by calling Deathstroke's gun to him and then uh, telling him that uh, apparently the reason they're out in the middle of the ocean is to recover uh, what we assume to be Majestic, because the next issue is called Majestic Rising, and we show what we think is Majestic's hand bursting out of the, the ocean floor. So, my God, so many cameos in this one issue. <laughs> yes, I agree. I wish he would have let off of this issue. I mean, I realize we had a whole other team to introduce, but heck, I would have, I would have gone for slow introductions, uh, you know, if this was what we were going to get. 
why don't we go with uh, with you, Chris? What did you think? <laughs> you know, I thought it was a good issue. You're right. It, it's a it was a it would been a good like kind of a starter issue a bit. Uh, but you know, I was going back to I re uh, was rereading uh, Team Seven Zero. And he mentioned something about the Majestic Project. So I'm kind of wondering what that entails, not that we're going to see, you know, with uh, the next issue, maybe focusing on, you know, Majestic Rising and what that's going to entail. So I like this issue. And I, uh, you know, I wish more people had maybe jumped on this title to give it a longer run. Because I, I like what... Uh, Jordan's doing with these characters. Uh, it kind of has that, kind of has that old feel of the old Team Seven Wildstorm stuff. You know that, uh, you know, kind of that gritty, uh, kind of a gritty uh, down to earth feel. You know, even though you're dealing with superheroes. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I and and this, like we were saying earlier, the the thing about this one being canceled, I mean, this is wrong because basically you would have to assume that it's three months ahead of time. So basically by the time this issue was done, that's when they decided to cancel it, you know? <laughs> so. Well, I was just wondering maybe the uh, pre-orders for maybe the, uh, the, the, the trade paperback didn't do as well. So they're like, well, if nobody's picking up the trade, that was being, you know, that might, that might have, you know, uh, factored into them canceling it. Yeah, but to me, I mean, it's like, unless it's doing absolutely horrible, I mean, you should at least give it to 12, you know, because by then you definitely know. Like with Ravagers, it would kind of suck because it, you would have to think that, okay, by the time they asked new writer, my, uh, you know, Mike Allen Nelson to come on, they probably already knew that the title was ending. But, well, we just have to get somebody to finish it off for us. Right. You know, but here it's like, really, you know, I, I just don't get it. <laughs> so. I don't think there's any explanation that we can give about what the hell DC's doing. I mean, I Vampire was a brand new title, and it was the number one trade paperback for a couple months. Like, it did great as a trade, and they killed that even after the first trade. So, Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, it did amazing. So, who knows? Maybe the North Carolina Summit did something to kick the entire company in gear because I mean really out of anything the management was the one that needed to be kicked into gear so (laughs) hopefully it was basically a summit of um, hey guys we hear you Um, we're not going to mess with you anymore and hopefully we can put out some cool stuff because that'd be nice everybody wanted to run I think and I think they should have taken them to Hawaii, but hey, North Carolina, I guess, sounded pretty good in the midst of a uh, a freaking blizzard. So. Yeah, yeah. And for those of you who don't know what Ben is talking about, there was a big summit that happened recently where where DC basically met with all the the creators. And I read I read on Bleeding Cool that the, they say that that uh, Dan did apologize to them. They're like, we can't confirm that for sure, but it would be nice if it was true. <laughs> But um, but yeah, it's just been crazy. I mean, all the different things they're doing. I mean, just a couple of examples that have nothing to do with this comic, but just in general to kind of bring this into perspective. It's like 
when you have a brand, you want to like make it recognizable all across the board, right? So with the new 52, obviously everybody got redesigned and whatnot, and now they're pulling back some of that, as we saw that Power Girl is going to get back her old look. <laughs> but um, And I think Beast Boy is going to go back to being green, as far as we saw in the solicits. And Apollo Midnighter gave their old costumes back. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's like here, you know, here, here in my room, one of my friends once upon a time got me one of those huge Superman cutouts, you know, and he's got the classic costume on still and there's a lot of that stuff you know to where it's almost like dc is confusing their brands and not using it properly another one that i don't care as much but i, I saw it had potential was that sort of sorcery one i can't what, how do you say that word amethyst <laughs> i can't even say the word the name of the character oh amethyst yeah the the, the princess of gem world they did this cool little short for um dc nation i mean it, it was obviously uh an, animated in japan because it had anime feel to it but it was so cool and i was like wow that's awesome they they coincided that with releasing sort of sorcery boom it gets canceled i'm like are you serious you know <laughs> and it's just decisions like that it's like do you want to push your stuff or not you know how are you going to be like go check out the comic oh wait never mind we canceled that you know <laughs> and another one that i noticed and uh, I hope I hope this doesn't come off wrong because <laughs> I was thinking about how to say this, but uh, Black Lightning comes out in one of the the shorts as well, and they have the characters uh, Thunder and Lightning in there, but they're not the ones from Ravagers. It's it's a it's a young uh, it's a young black girl and a black kid, and I was like, okay, that's cool. You know, I I could I could care less. You know, the ethnicity has nothing to do with it. But the problem is, if you wanted them to be that then why didn't you make them that in the comic so that way you could have somewhere to point back to your fans and be like, if you want to check out more of, of these two characters, go here. You know what I mean? So that's the kind of stuff that I've been noticing with DC that it just doesn't seem to jive, you know? And uh, hopefully that's that's what they'll correct here soon. Well, I think that's why they also canceled um, Young Justice because it wasn't vibing up with the new uh, 52 universe. If that's true, I don't know. I, I thought I read that somewhere, maybe Bleeding Cool or something. Like, why? That show is so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. uh, like on Saturday mornings, I'm texting with my friend, like, dude, did you watch it? I'm like, I'll watch it right now, <laughs> you know, because it's just, it's really well written and uh, uh, the characters are just so well developed, you know, and I just, actually, I kind of wish some of the 52 tiles were like this. Maybe yeah. more, you know, some of the ensemble uh, titles were just kind of like that, you know, uh, just kind of focused more on, you know, character development and, uh, you know, making these characters, you know, some somebody you want to come back every month to read. And, you know, some titles are doing it well, some aren't. You know, I, Vampire did it really well. It's just, But, again, like Ben said, it just, for some reason, it didn't make the cut. And I'm just kind of afraid that the the 52 universe will end up with Batman titles and Superman titles and a few titles in between. That's, that's yeah. where it seems to be going right now. Well, you I forgot know. Green Lantern titles. So. <laughs> well, There's maybe yeah, not well, with Jeff Johns leaving. I know. That's, <laughs> that's what I was true. Just about to say. That's true. You might, that might just go back to one title again. <laughs> anyway. I guess we don't want to go too far on that left field, but it, it just it, it all did tie back to this. It's the exact same thing is happening here with with the Wildstorm characters. It's like, are you gonna 
Are you going to do them justice or not, basically? So. Well, there's still hope for the Wildcast title. I mean, they're introducing almost everybody they can from that title, just short of Lord Imp, you know, and Void. Yeah. You know, it's like, you're like, come on. You're, you're, it's just like you're teasing us. You got, I mean, with, you see, like with this issue, you see a fully realized uh, Lady Tron, you know, uh, hints to, you know, a Spartan uh, bio-android. You're like, come on, just get to it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Stop teasing us. <laughs> yeah. And plus, obviously, there does have to be some replacement titles for May because uh, Ray from Clark's Bar, she brought to my attention because I mentioned that, well, we already have that those two titles called The Green Team and The Movement that are coming. So, But she said that they're meant to replace the titles that were canceled the month before. So, Right. But they didn't mention what characters are in either one of those titles, so who knows? Maybe we could get some transfers in there too. I, I just had to wait till mid March and see all the solicits. So right. anyway, <laughs> all right, Ben, you want to take us into the next part? Sure. Uh, other Wildstorm sightings and tie-ins for the month of February. Basically, the only thing we had was the uh, seven ninety nine <laughs> <laughs> waste of time. Yes. <laughs> Yes, thank you for saving me from buying that. <laughs> <laughs> Young ben, Romance, a new 52 Valentine's Day special number one. With Valentine's Day, perforated cards and all. Which apparently are expensive. <laughs> yes. And there was... <laughs> the only reason why we mentioned this is there was an Apollo Midnighter uh, little teaser there. And it was called uh, Soul Brothers. Because <laughs> they were in Seoul, Korea. So yeah, uh, I was say, no, Midnighter does not have an afro in this story. Yeah, <laughs> I might have picked it up for that, <laughs> but really not worth it. So I, that was basically it. And um, some other upcoming Wildstorm releases in March. We'll have Stormwatch number eighteen on March sixth, and on March thirteenth, we'll have Ravagers number ten. Team 7, number 6, and Deathstroke, number 18, will have Ravagers and Teen Titans appearances. So be sure to pick those up so that you can enjoy them along with us. And remember that all of these books are available digitally, either through DC Comics website or comicsology.com, day and date, every Wednesday, and now even before Wednesday, retailers get them. Yeah, (laughs) and they were happy about that. (laughs) Uh, a couple of quick shout-outs. Uh, if uh, Remember to visit our friend Chris here at the Higher Authority Message Boards, Clark's Bar, to continue the Wildstorm integration discussions among long-time Wildstorm fans at theauthority.ws. And a quick question, Chris. Did, did you stop updating the Stormwatch one, or are you pretty much done with that site? Because we noticed nothing had been new there for a couple of months. Well, I got a computer crash, and uh, I haven't had a chance to update uh, my software to my FTP software, so I've, I'm kind of behind. But <laughs> Slacker. Uh, Slacker. <laughs> yes, but, uh, <laughs> but the uh, Stormwatch Facebook page is updated uh, pretty uh, regularly. So until I get the Stormwatch site uh, current, just go to uh, facebook.com slash Stormwatch, and uh, you can get updates there. Like I said, it's updated regularly as... As soon as I see news, I'll post it there. Yeah, so. yeah, you are really good about that. I appreciate it because I, I know I, you're, you're my source for a lot of stuff too. <laughs> I'm like, wow, where did he find that? <laughs> so, 
But um, also uh, check out our friends of the show, the Image Addiction Podcast, as they cover new releases from Image Comics. And also the Savage Fin Cast, as they cover Savage Dragon, and both of those can be found at the uh, imageaddiction.net. And uh, get twice the Valiant coverage now with our friends of the show from Only the Valiant Podcast at onlythevaliant.com. And our friends at uh, culturalwormhole.com and their Valiant Future podcast, which I actually guest hosted last month on episode three. And I'll be on their upcoming episode four as well. Um, so if you haven't given those a listen, head on over there and listen to them. And uh, you can contact us. Um, I've actually changed my name on Twitter. Uh, you can just find me at twitter.com backslash Joe David Solis. Um, I just did that because I've got some personal projects coming up here in the f- this year that hopefully I'll want my actual name out there on <laughs> instead of just my screen name. And um, you can look Ben up on Google+. Plus. Now, how do they look you up, Ben? I didn't just, see that. Let's just here. type my name and they'll get it because I'm the only one that likes Wildstorm with that name. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And you can continue to follow the podcast at twitter.com backslash wildstormaddict. Or you can email us, wildstormaddiction at gmail.com. And we have the Facebook fan page, Google Plus page, and our new Google Plus community for Wildstorm. Uh, we're also on Stitcher, so you can listen to us on your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and other devices with Stitcher. You can find it in your app store or at stitcher.com. Uh, last couple of tidbits is I will be at PAX East in Boston, Massachusetts, March 22nd to 24th helping promote my friend's upcoming video game, Meg Knight Chronicles, which is from Dinosaur Games. Uh, they can be found at dinosaurentertainment.com. So if you're at PAX, uh, be sure and check us out up there. And um, <laughs> I know we're all getting ready to go watch The Walking Dead here tonight, so uh, I thought of this today. I was like, you know what? We are the Wildstorm Dead. <laughs> because as soon as we think things are going good for us, you're like, no, they killed so-and-so. It's like they killed this title or that title. So so that's what I decided to dub us, the Wildstorm Dead. So, <laughs> But like any good horror movie, they always come back. <laughs> <laughs> we would hope so, right? But anyway, uh, big thanks to you again, Chris. You know, you rock. We definitely appreciate you agreeing to come on Um Definitely changes up things. I'm sure people get tired of hearing me in bed. So I don't try to add a lot to it, but you know, anytime. <laughs> but we'll see who else we can convince from Cox Bar to come on with us. Uh, we hope to have another one next month, but we we won't spoil it. We'll wait till then. So anyway, thanks. Anything else before we sign off, guys? No, thanks for having me, and uh, I always look forward to your next podcast. Cool. Thanks. Tell ten of your friends, <laughs> at least. <laughs> All right, three more months, everybody, and then we will be the official Stormwatch podcast. Maybe. (laughs) I'm hoping for the official Stormwatch Wildcats podcast, but that's just me. (laughs) Yeah. We'll be waiting a lot longer for that. (laughs) All right. Good night, guys. Good night, guys. He works for IO or yeah. <laughs> You know, I was just wondering, you know, I was going back to some of the old DC stuff. They have so many secret organizations. Do you <laughs> think somebody would figure this all out? Uh, you know, under at least under uh, under Wildstorm they had IO and then all the secret organizations that were kind of branched off from there. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I'm kind of hoping they do that here, too. Like, you find out above checkmate, above suicide score, above team seven is IO. Mm, that'd be interesting. And, and there's Ivana Biola. <laughs> <laughs> Still in her sexy dresses, even though everybody else is in uniforms. I would lose my mind because <laughs> if they got, well, only if they got a good writer to buy, uh, to make her, uh, you know, what she was at the Wildstorm universe. Yeah, I guess I'll have to wait and see. It's it's a dream I have. <laughs> 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 yes, we've all dreamt about it about at one point. Oh wait, did I say that out loud? <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> no comments. <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> all right, guys. <laughs>